Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is part one of a three-part series in conversation with Start the Conversation. Welcome to episode 62, act one, Step In and Go Slow, recorded March 16th, 2023. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives aloud are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA audience. Welcome to Teaching Artistry. This podcast is researched, recorded, and produced on the unceded lands, water, and air, stewarded by the Canarsie and Muncie Lenape peoples in what is colonially known as Brooklyn, New York. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for supporting this indie podcast. Invite your peeps, colleagues, and friends to join our community and subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcast player. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Teaching Artistry Podcast and head over to teachingartistry.org to access episodes, guest bios, our e-zines, merch, and more. The Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body Pod Squad is proud to partner with New York City Children's Theater in a series called In Conversation with Start the Conversation. This series will highlight three of the Start the Conversation resource topics. These resources provide grown-ups with the language and tools to start and continue nuanced conversations around big topics with the kids in their lives. This act, focused on our relationship to race, has three panelists. Caitlin McCain, whom you met in episode 61, and her New York City Children's Theater colleague, Nicole Hogsett, as well as their collaboration colleague, Tara Curtin, who is an early childhood educator and research assistant for the Black Education Research Center. Here is episode 62, act one, step in and go slow. Hello everyone. Welcome to Teaching RSG Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates artists, culture, and equity. And we're here to spotlight New York City Children's Theater's Start the Conversation programming that provides resources for grown-ups to support having ongoing conversations with kids around large and nuanced topics with kids around uh, topics like race, racism, politics, immigration, mental health, and more. And for this panel, we are specifically focused on our relationship to race slash race, racism, 
and Black Lives Matter. Um, before we get to the panel, though, we'll go around. I'm sorry. Before we get to the topic, uh, we're going to go around and share who who are we talking to? So can you share your name, your pronouns, the role that you have in relationship to both uh, New York City Children's Theater and to this work? Um, so why don't we start with uh, Caitlin? Hi, my name is Caitlin McCain. I use she her pronouns. At New York City Children's Theater, I'm a teaching artist. I'm the Education Associate of Public Engagement and the creator of Start the Conversation. Outside of the Children's Theater, I'm an actor, applied theater practitioner, educator, and voice professional. Tara? Hi, everyone. My name is Tara Curtin, and I use she, her pronouns. I was a consultant for Start the Conversation our relationship to race. And outside of that work, I'm a researcher, a former early childhood and special education teacher, and I work with schools and I work with families and whoever wants to work with me um, to talk about how they can center conversation about race and racial identity or racism with children that are very young. I am Nicole Hoxett and I also use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm the marketing and audience engagement director at New York City Children's Theater. And outside of NYCCT, I am a writer and an applied theater facilitator. Lovely. So welcome to all three of you. Um, uh, Courtney, she, her. And uh, I've been hosting this podcast for now six years. So I'm. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome you to our space. Um, and in terms of this particular work, we'd love to know more about how it came about how you created these resources and, and why this particular topic? Yeah, I'll start. Um, so this is my favorite topic to talk about um, for maybe obvious reasons, um, but this was our first conversation. Um, this is what started it all. Um, and the race, racism and Black Lives Matter was our very first series and it was a three-part video series um, and it sprung out of the racial uprisings of summer of 2020 um, and in response to the murder of George Floyd we had um, we had a need directly in the children's theater for teaching artists um, that there was a need for like how do I I'm doing work with young people right now where do I start to acknowledge like what's happening because it was on the news it was everywhere it was outside it was it, posters on people's windows right you you couldn't in new york city anyway um you couldn't keep your young people away from it um and so you're saying you know how do we do this so we worked together a few people in the education department to write some language and nicole and i read it and we were like you know we should film it so that we can put it out there um, and we did, and I filmed it and it was very, uh, I remember it being a very like emotional filming, like feeling like, oh, I'm, there's a camera and it was the height of COVID and I'm talking to young people and how are we going to talk about this together? Um, and that's what launched it, of, of like, how do we start this conversation? Um, and from there we developed some more, but it was really, it was myself, it was Nicole, it was the organization saying like, how how are we going to do this and responding to a moment which start the conversation continues to be that response to moments that are happening um 
and then we continued on and uh, the next conversation, our relationship to race launched, was it two years later? Yeah, two years later. Um, and that was a continuation of these of these conversations. So let me just make sure I'm understanding that the the the, the slash is actually two it's two different topics or a continuum. Ah, so the race, racism, and BM, uh, BLM start is literally like the the starting point for the, all of these resources, and then very specifically around this topic in that time in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think Caitlin really covered it because I think what our education department did so beautifully in framing that language. Um, we saw it and we said, we need to share this with parents too, right? Because these conversations, they need to happen, not just in a classroom setting, but at home. And so, you know, doing marketing and audience engagement, it's always about how do we respond in this moment and what do the families who we serve need from us in this moment? And so it became a very clear reading that language that the education department wrote. We said, well, we need to just make this work for families too. And we got so much great feedback from families who said like it was something that they shared with other families and that they really did need to have these conversations Um, because you know I think especially for white households we don't have these conversations and we I think part of that is that we don't have the language and so what we what this program does is it gives folks an invitation to have the conversation and then the tools to facilitate it so beautifully. And and Tara when did you first learn or how did you come into the picture um and why 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 did you decide to join the effort sure so i had received an email i think there had been an initiative where there was a project that um new york city children's theater was looking for a consultant on previously and my name had been included but i think by the time i got back to them someone else had been um, selected and it all worked out Um, but I think in that conversation we kind of left it open as if something else comes up later on would you be open to being a consultant I said sure I'd love to um, based on some of the things I've been hearing about their work so when this was I guess moving into that next stage then I received an email learning more about it Caitlin had reached out with Nicole and explained what they were looking for and asking if I would come in as like an early childhood consultant for the project. And I was happy to do so. Um, In terms of what brought me to the conversation or what made me think this is something that I want to pursue, I think everything that's been shared already, like there are, these conversations are so, so urgent in my mind and they're so essential. But what I found is a lot of times there's, first off, there's like this myth that young children can't talk about these things, right? There's either the myth that, oh, young children can't talk about it or they don't notice it. And that's all just, that's so incorrect. It's just, it's a misinformation. It's a myth. It's it's simply not true. A lot of researchers have done um, really good research on this very topic. I often go back to Beverly Daniel Tatum and all the work she's done around why all the Black kids sitting together in the cafeteria or her TED talk on her son, um, her son wanting to know if he was brown because he drank chocolate milk. So there's just a lot of information out there that really proves a different narrative. And even from my own position, um, identifying as a black woman and a parent, I have two children. I know that kids are asking these things from my own experience as a parent and from being a preschool teacher. Children would ask me about the difference in our skin color. They would be curious about my hair. So I knew firsthand that 
all of the information about children not noticing was more about the adults' discomfort than actual fact. So I really wanted to be a part of this conversation. I want to pick up on, on a, a few things and get to the next question, but the um, Nicole talked about it, about like um, grownups, uh, you, you specifically named parents, um, potentially wanting to have the conversation or not wanting to have the conversation, not necessarily having the, the language. Um, and then in something that you, you shared Tara or two things, but the first thing I'm, I'm, I was hearing was the myth and the idea of, um, potentially that we're all we all you know who are very steeped in white supremacist culture um the dominant culture is good at like sweeping things away right so the fact that we don't have the language is because we've been it's been swept right and so now we're actually saying no no it's it's important because whether you like it or not (laughs) or understand it or not kids do have questions because they're trying to understand the world around them. And then that's where that takes me to the next thing about the discomfort that kids are noticing adults having. And like, I've said this many, many different ways, different times about like, if, if we could really see the world through a kid's eyes, things could be be so much better (laughs) Um, because they're not afraid to ask questions. They're not afraid until they're made to be afraid. Right. And who are who's making them to be afraid adults? Um, so I really appreciate what you what you're talking about and having the, you know, the research and, and um, to debunk that sort of myth is is important. Um, so based off of all of that, I had, I had I have two questions. What are what in your conversations in putting, you know, the pieces together in 2020 and then um, continuing the work um, and releasing it in 2022, you know, who, what are you hoping the impact is for the audiences? And then to sort of dig like a B, a B, is that A? And then B is who, when you were talking or or creating this work, who did you imagine the audiences to be? And when I say that, I really mean more about identities and specifically race and ethnicity. Those are great, great questions. Um, I think hope wise, like what the the hope for this is, is exactly what you said of parents and adults in general are the first to silence questions about the ways that we're different. Um, and that was that is kind of the the phenomenon that launched this whole idea of why when a child asks about race or disability um, or size, why is it that's rude and never talked about again? Um, So the hope is, is that we are encouraging children and adults to be brave together about difference um, while also at the same time acknowledging that there are negative negative um, realities surrounding certain types of differences, like that we're not just here to say everyone's different and that's wonderful, yay. Um, that yeah, it is wonderful that everyone's different, but that's not a, a truth in our reality. Um, so you know, how can we acknowledge that there racism exists, ableism exists, xenophobia exists? Um, why? Because of difference. And if if we're telling our young people, Shh, don't talk about it, doesn't make it go away. Um, so if, if 
this resource can give language to talk about difference. And um, we have like a, a four-part step. It's notice, ask, learn, and celebrate. That are we noticing something? Great. Ask about it. Learn something about it. And then we can celebrate it. But if we skip every, if we notice it and either shh or notice and then like, yay, we're different. There's too much that asking and learning can't be taken out of the middle. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I loved most about our first conversation about race, racism, Black Lives Matter was that there were those two videos that were very specifically, one was designed for Black families and one was designed for white families. And it really, especially the one around white families, really asked folks to investigate themselves and how to do that in a way that didn't feel uncomfortable. I mean, it's always a little uncomfortable, but again, it's structured to give the, the tools to have these conversations in a meaningful way and in a brave way, like Caitlin said, right? To be brave as you enter these conversations. Um, and so really creating the two pieces that highlighted, it was Sequoia Gwynn was our teaching artist and mm -hmm. Sam Lecter, and they really created these two videos that helped center identities and gave folks a place to start. Yeah, and I'll just add that um, for me, definitely, something that I was hopeful was that people would be open to hearing perspectives that perhaps they hadn't considered before. Um, I think this, when I think back on 2020 and the racial reckoning, and I'm putting it in air quotes because I'm like, what reckoning? How did it happen and end that quickly? Um, I, I can't help but think of how quickly we moved from wanting to know more about race and wanting to unpack things to legislation being past, like, I mean, at record speed, in my opinion, um, to ban certain things from being taught in school, for teachers to be fearful of losing their jobs because they're trying to center accurate history. I think it's it's absolutely absurd that we're in a time, um, not as surprising, but absurd, that we're in a time where knowledge, like we're trying to restrict knowledge. Like as a teacher, there's something really baffling about the idea of saying, no, you can't know that much, or no, you can't know that. Like the idea of restricting knowledge and not critiquing it and not unpacking it and not examining it is just something that I really bump up against with that tension because it just does not make sense in my brain. But that's where we are. And so for me, one of the things I kept hoping is maybe someone will be open to a new idea. And if not open to it, maybe they'll be so mad, they'll be curious and they'll be like, I want to research this and find out where's this person coming from. I, I often say like, I don't want people to necessarily agree with me. That's not my goal, but I do want to, I want to stir something in them to make them want to know more and to know where some of these ideas came from. That's a beautiful segue to our, our next question, which was, I was thinking exactly that about um, banning books and legislation and like college boards, college boards, what are you doing? And removing AP African-American studies. Like what, do you, what, seriously? Um, so the bumping up, because I was going to ask like very specifically from the scholarly scholarship perspective, which you shared. So I don't need to ask that question, but I'm uh, the stirring release that that gives me an image. The kernel uh, planting seeds is another image that I, I adore and love to say a lot. So one of the thoughts that is coming to mind in, in, in that vein and the idea of this, you know, the, the, the sort of backlash or the, 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 the very quick response that is about oppressing and, and suppressing, which is uh, a very common uh, um, mechanism and strategy in the same vein of 
book banning and, um, you know, changing curriculum and, and legislation coming through on the state level, mostly, um, are, are these resources having reached beyond New York City? Because I feel like the conversation changes slightly <laughs> depending on where you reside even within our own state, like even in, in, frankly, within the city. But like, I, I just feel like from a, from an education, a school base and, and maybe some of the families that I'm interacting with, there's a want to have these conversations. It goes sometimes to a certain point. It doesn't necessarily take it to the next level, but at least it's happening in some capacity. And I know that there's a lot of effort within, at least within the circles that I'm in, within the New York City Department of Education, to do specifically like anti-racism and DEIB work um, less so in other parts of the nation. So I'm just curious, like, wh- is that, do you feel hope? <laughs> it, uh, you know, what kind of feedback are you receiving both within our area and potentially beyond? We are a New York city based organization, right? So um, our list kind of like the ones that it gets blasted out to is very much New York city based. That said, these are all free resources that are available on our website. And and Caitlin and the education department does a great job at pushing them out through organizations like, you know, Arts Education Roundtable and places like that, TYA USA and organizations that are national. So I think our hope, right, is that we are reaching a very broad spectrum in terms of where these are landing and that they are accessible, right? They're free, they're on our website. Um, anyone can access them at any point. Yeah. Yeah. So the hope is to make it a national global program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Courtney, your question made me think you know, about to your, your B question of the last section too, of like, who do you envision when you're making these? Right. And if I'm being honest, I know that we're based in New York and that these are conversations that are happening, right? Like we, I know I can make these resources in New York and a teacher will pick them up or a parent will pick them up and be like, oh my gosh, thank you. This is so exciting. And white teachers and white parents, right? But if I'm being honest, when when I'm making these and when I'm reaching out to folks to collaborate and when I'm talking to Nicole, who I'm thinking about are the places like where I grew up. And look, I grew up in Southern California which people think is very liberal and it is, and it's Democrat and whatever. But where I grew up was incredibly conservative. We lived in a funny little pocket and it wasn't like here where, you know, there people are having conversations or even necessarily open to having conversations. So when I'm making this stuff, I am more often than not thinking about little Caitlin, who was in kindergarten, who was in first grade and I'm, I'm mixed. So my mom's white, my dad's black and who no one was talking about race, but I knew it meant me. <laughs> um, so I think that's like my hope. If we're talking about hope, if we're talking about who this goes to, and I'm fully aware that these are conversations that are not necessarily happening uh, in our country like they are in New York, or there's an openness to them. But I'm hoping that them being out there, um, someone can pick them up, uh, someone can say, oh, I have a mixed child. Maybe I'm a white parent who has never talked about race before. And 
this, this is somewhere to start. Um, because you can't, you know, I'm not very old, but race even now means something different than it did then that you can't get around it in the same way. Um, not that you ever got around it, not that I ever got around it as a, as a black woman, but it, it's there and it's present and there's more hate and there's more tension and there's more, um, social media, right. There's more TikTok. There's more, all of that, that I want. And Tara and I were talking about this earlier of like, if we need to start young so that we're brave around it so that we, um, have language so that we have language. Like when you think about like, are we making this for, for white audiences or for audiences of color specifically? Um, you know, for me, I'm thinking about black young people, but it's really for both. It's that I want white children to have language and to, to be educated about it and to have to think about it. But I also, for children of color, want them to have the language to stand up for themselves, to name what's happening and say, actually, no, you're wrong because I know this. Or, oh yeah, I do have brown skin, not because I drink chocolate milk, because I have melanin. You know, like that, that fixes things that takes away harm um, just as much as the white kids knowing it. There's a conversation about the global majority, right? And um, I don't know, I don't know if this is, this is probably not the right language, but I've heard this term about oppression Olympics, right? And pitting and like, this is another great strategy of pitting um, marginalized groups against each other and who, who is more oppressed and, you know, the natural, we don't talk about it this way, but like the natural caste system in the globe slash America. Right. And so like the idea of, um, certain, um, groups, the closer that they can get to whiteness, right. The, the farther away from blackness that they can get is, is, is considered good. And, and I, that's not a judgment. That's just like, we, we know that happens period. It runs the gamut in a lot of different ways that are incredibly nuanced. Um, and so one of the, when I was watching um, uh, some of the videos, I was thinking about that. <laughs> I was thinking, cause I just, I feel like, yeah, the, you know, I, Nicole, I know you didn't mean to necessarily say this, but you said the word discomfort and the idea of being brave, like, you know, to take that leap, to just go and do it, it um, by you know, reading this book and having a conversation and having some, you know, some place to go that will help you to have that conversation, I think is really, really important. And I don't, I don't personally know where this exists. If uh, maybe Tara, you have some uh, knowledge of, at least for this age, this sort of age range, um, I feel like there's a lot more books like children's books in the world that are, are more representative of little black girls and little black boys and, and the, the entire, like more of a less of a monolith and more of the complexities of just being black. Um, but I feel like there's, this is such a rich and important 
resource that I want to, I want to sort of, if you haven't had those conversations, I want to encourage, and I can't wait to see how this continues to grow. I just appreciate everything that's being said. I appreciate the distinction between New York City and New York State. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, so I often, when people are talking about New York City, and oftentimes what happens is I'll hear people say how New York is so liberal, and I often go back to New York City for the most part, but then when you look at Staten Island and no disrespect to anyone from Staten Island, but when you see how most people from Staten Island vote, it's not the rest of the city. And I think that we need to question that, like, why is that? And why do we continue to talk about how liberal New York City is? Perhaps a parts of it, yes, but then if you look at New York State, that is very, very different. And I think that there's this idea, again, a myth <laughs> about how clean the North was when we talk about what was happening um, post-Civil War. The North was not clean. And I mean, even when you were talking about when cast was brought up earlier, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, Isabel Wilkerson. If you haven't read that book um, by Isabel Wilkerson, it is just brilliant how she goes through how the caste system works in the U.S. versus how it looks in India. Um, in, in the U.S., she's basically saying it's very informal. And even looking at how Nazi Germany and how what happened in the Jewish community and how um, the Nazis based a lot of their horror on slavery. And I think that that's something that when I read that, I just, it, it was so unnerving to me. And that conversation just doesn't come up in some ways. And just going back to the fact that the North was not that clean. Um, Isabel has another book called The Warmth of Other Sons. Um, talking about how, why the migration happened, why people left the South to come to the North. But even when they got here, hearing those firsthand stories about what they had to deal with, it just changes your perspective. But it goes back to all of the information we're taught not to know. Like we're, we're clearly taught not to know this because it's not in curriculum and we kind of skip over um, the reconstruction period and that's all intentional, but it's just, it's really harmful. And I guess I'm saying all that to say that I'm, I'm really grateful for a lot of the pieces that have been brought up about anti-Blackness and even internalized racism. I'm not going to go down that path, but there's just a lot of anti-Blackness that shows up even within the Black community and just in, in general, in, it's a global phenomenon. And I think we just kind of have to keep reminding ourselves of that so we can keep disrupting it and showing other parts of the story. Yeah, I love how, I love calling, like, that the North was not clean. I love that language because, oh yeah, we can have that conversation until the cows come home. Um, and then I was thinking about voting and, and and lots of people like to point to Staten Island, but actually just recently, I think in the last election, you could see there's like a heat map that shows how much Brooklyn has changed. Voting has changed from blue to red, like different parts, especially actually close to where I am in like, um, South Brooklyn, uh, uh, how the, the voting is, is definitely shifting. So I think that New York state, um, absolutely has different, you know, blue red sections and, and potentially depending on who's leaving and who's staying or who's coming in, it's going to shift over time. And, and so again, this kind of work and this kind of disruption opportunities and the intentionality around, um, one, like disrupting the self is a part to dis is a is a way to disrupt and i but i love how this i'm just taking it back to the resources that i love that that this is not about calling out it really is like talking to kids and grown-ups at a level that is on the one hand approachable and still is asking and interrogating in ways that feel um inviting 
And so that's where the discomfort thing, I think if we can be like, like inviting, but like, you know, I just, I just love, I'm just, I have like 3000 more questions, but I'm going to ask two. (laughs) One, I'm just curious, what made you choose the books you chose? And then can you just actually just walk us through the, the, the pages? Like what will people find when they go to these and, and where is it? Tara, do you want to talk about why we chose our skin? I think we were really just trying to be intentional about what the message would be and just how approachable the materials could be. Because I think everything that was shared about why we wanted it to feel like a safe and brave space for adults and for children to to engage in these conversations and to kind of start off in these conversations is exactly right. Um, Especially considering how divided the country is right now and has been for some time. It's, it's, It's interesting, but just even in the way you approach these conversations, conversations can change the way someone is willing or not willing to engage in it. And our skin felt like a really good place to start, especially if people had not had any sort of conversation around race or racism before. And so we thought that would be a good way because there's language that can be described pretty easily. Some pieces that felt very closely related to just kind of everyday noticings that children have. So that felt like a good place to start. Yeah. And I think what drew me to the book um was the questions that it asked like it's it is an interactive book in and of itself like it asked like what would you call your unique skin color um and it was it was inviting people in to have a conversation i mean it's it's called the a first conversation series and they have many books on many big topics um and that was exciting because it was like, oh, that's what we're doing. We're going to activate this and, and this is our way in. And so would you like me to walk us through the page and what folks will find? All right. Um, so there's these are two conversations. The race, racism, and Black Lives Matter, you'll notice um, the style of it is very different <laughs> from the later ones because we it was, like I said, our very first go. Um, so on this one, there are three videos. There's the main uh, video that will walk you through how to talk about big things that are happening. Um, and it this was specifically around race but um, and Black Lives Matter and, and that happening. Um, but it'll take you through the steps of acknowledging that something's happened, asking uh, your child, you know, what they've noticed and how that makes them feel, um, identifying both of your feelings about it, right, that we're in conversation together, um, and, ide- and naming that these feelings are heavy and doing something to make yourself feel better. How can you regulate yourself in that? And then celebrating um, you and your young person's power, Um, celebrating your identity, practicing empathy, making change, right? So that's kind of the center of it. And then we have two fantastic videos, one for white families and one for families of color um, uh, that are talking about the two different sides of it. So um, for white families, it's a conversation about whiteness using uh, a book called Not My Idea, a book about whiteness by uh, Anastasia Hickenbotham. And that's by Sam Leichter. And then the video for uh, children and families of color um, is with our teaching artist, Sequoia Gwynn. Um, and that is using a book called You Matter by Christian Robinson um, and really celebrating our identities and naming that racism hurts um, and but we are here and we're taking space and we're loving ourselves anyway. 
Um, so those are very exciting. Um, and then, so our, our second conversation that was a continuation of that, our relationship to race, which you'll get Tara's uh, incredible expertise. Um, similar thing, uh, you'll see that this is the new and updated <laughs> version of, of our videos, uh, which is exciting. Um, so it'll take you through, you know, who is this video helpful for? Questions we'll explore, like what's your skin color? Um, what color is your skin? Why do we all have different skin colors? What's racism? Um, what do you notice that's different? And what do you notice that's the same? Uh, and this one is just one video, um, but it's a longer one. Um, and it takes you through our steps of notice, ask, learn, celebrate. Um, and you'll meet our wonderful teaching artist, Sierra Ward as well in that. And then our resource and activity guide connected to that. Um, which you'll get some of Tara's specific expertise, some of the resources that she um, really uh, centered in our research together. Um, and then as well as some activities that you can do with your young people to continue that. And perhaps my favorite um, resource on this one is an activity book uh, called The Difference Detectives, which is based on a project that Nicole and I and Sierra, who's in the video, created. Um, it, that was a live theater piece, but um, the activity book, which Nicole created, uh, really turns that story into um, uh, written and coloring activities that you can print and continue your conversations about difference. Lovely, lovely. And where, where would one find this resource, this beautiful, rich panoply? Yes. Well, these resources uh, can be found on nychildrenstheater.org. Um, they are readily available. Everything is downloadable as far as the resource guides um, and free for everyone. Uh, they're also translated into um, simplified Chinese and Spanish. Um, and if there's other language requests that we receive, send them to us because we would be very happy to make those available. Amazing. Wonderful. Um, uh, any last thoughts before we close? I have one that something I think about with these resources a lot is, oh, we're missing so much because it's so hard to figure out where do you start? Um, so I think my last thought is these resources and this conversation, particularly about race as was named, uh, is just the starting place. Black and white is not the end of the color spectrum, um, that this is nuanced and this conversation and noticing is just where we start. It's not where we end. Nicole? They're just such great resources. And I'm really drawn, Courtney, to your seed, planting the seed visual, because that's how I, I view these, right? These are the very beginnings of conversations. And the hope for me is that if we start these conversations with children when they're young, it'll just be natural, right? We don't, it'll just be something that they're used to and that they're having with each other and with their grownups and with other people. Um, and that now is the time to start that and that we have to do it now. Tara? Yeah, I think I, I echo what has been said. I really, um, I feel like this is such a great starting place, but my hope is that people don't stop there. Um, I think everything that we said about adults and 
just some of the discomfort that comes from adults. Like we have to do our own work. Like you were saying, Courtney, if only we could look through the eyes of a child, I feel like this world would be so amazing if we could just let the children lead us and guide us and actually listen. But um, as adults, we have to recognize that a lot of the discomfort and misinformation is, is, is coming from a place. And until we're able to unpack some of that own stuff within, it's going to be really hard to be able to be on a path with anyone else. So I really hope that these, these spaces open up conversation, they open up opportunities to be brave, and then just keep going. Go slowly, find a thought partner, don't do it alone, use a journal, whatever you need to do, but don't don't just stop and think that's enough. I've, I've read one thing or I've watched one video and the work is done. The work is barely starting, so keep going. Well, I want to thank everyone joining me this afternoon, evening, uh, Caitlin, Nicole, and Tara. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Thanks for creating this work. Um, I'm excited that the podcast gets to be a part, a small part of helping to promote this work. Thank you for listening to episode 62, act one of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body in conversation with Start the Conversation, Step In and Go Slow. Join us next time for act two. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the director of creative content. Jono Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Find us on Instagram at Teaching Artistry Podcast. And now on YouTube, check out the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud and Spotify, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Ooh.